2: salutations, and welcome in to Sports Talk, a two-hour festival of sports with discussion as well. I'm Scott Beatty, along with Lauren Tate, for the first hour here. It's Major League Baseball trade deadline day, plenty to get to on that. It's also Big Ten media days for volleyball, the first ever event of its kind. It took place yesterday and this morning in Chicago, bringing some coverage of that. Throughout the next two hours, and coming up, a guest for the first time on this program, Matt Brown. He is the publisher of Extra Points, also part of D1Ticker.com, looking at all the aspects of college sports outside the lines, especially as it pertains to all that has been shifting around in college football and athletics as a whole. Looking forward to visiting with Matt Brown. Coming up in a few minutes. Great to see you, Mister Tate. Everybody Festival,
3: huh? We got ba- basketball, we got volleyball, we got baseball, we got football. What what don't we have?
2: Rugby. <laughs> okay. That is tomorrow. No a rugby. show entirely devoted uh, to <laughs> rugby. But good to see you, sir. Um, the the you heard it in the update. The blockbuster biggest trade in the history of baseball, as some are saying.
3: Well, when you throw a Bell in there, that is a lot
2: mm-hmm <laughs> it's already a lot when it's Juan Soto yeah he will be a San Diego Padre so will Josh Bell and the Padres dealing away shortstop CJ Abrams lefty Mackenzie Gore first baseman Luke Voigt and some prospects as well it's a big deal it's uh what involves seven players total and uh the Padres are also looking to add as well an infielder from the Reds in a and a different deal um, in exchange for one of their prospects. So it's the the Padres are putting all the chips in the middle of the table.
3: They really are. They got they're they're sitting right down there underneath the Dodgers, who are way over the salary cap, and they're going to go over the salary cap too, without a doubt. But they, you know, if they're going to compete, they're competing directly with the Dodgers for 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 fans for you know interest. In in the L.A. area,
2: well, and I I heard this said that you know, recall the Chargers left San Diego, mm-hmm. and the They're Padres the sport there. The Padres are trying to be it. They are that, it, and San Diego is maybe not a huge sports town, but it is a big city now, mm-hmm. and they are trying to be uh, step for step with everybody else in in the National League West, and really that means with the Dodgers. Yep. Yeah. It's a tough assignment. But, you know, when you look back to
3: the the Nats, the Nationals, they won the World Series, what, three years ago? And just in a short period of time, they've traded off Bell and Soto today, Anthony Rendon, Harper, Scherzer, Trey Turner. I mean, they've had players go through there. If they kept them all, they'd be unbeatable. They can't afford them, I guess.
2: And it it feels very different than, uh, let's say, what the Cubs did. Uh, it, it, all the World Series winning players mm-hmm. are gone now, except for Wilson Contreras, who's still a Cub apparently f- for at least uh, another maximum <laughs> forty three more minutes or whatever it is forty eight more minutes uh, is the is the deadline will be over, and I haven't seen that they've sent him away yet or or not, but it's believed he'll be traded. And then it, it, where it, the Cubs seem strategic, at least you could see the logic, right? What they've done last year and this year and and remains to be seen whether they'll they'll execute it. Whereas the Nationals just seems like ah, we just don't want to do this. Yeah, we want our World Series great by. I don't know how you maintain fan loyalty well, if you're the, the Washington Cubs, Nationals. The
3: Cubs still draw well, even, no matter who they put out there, right?
2: Pretty much. Well, that yeah, that's true. But what well, I'm saying do. is, you can connect the dots of what the Cubs are trying to do, whether yeah. or not you think it'll work. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a tough pull when you start. When you lose players that the fans are attached to, that's the tough part I see. I mean, imagine having Soto going out there and having the thrill of watching him bat four times a game or five times a game. And here, uh, you know, now they, they're they going to have players. They're going to have some good players that they have never heard of. The Cardinals quieter on the trade front. Awfully quiet for a team that
2: needed pitches, catchers, and... And and what else? The slugger. You got Jose Quintana, thirty-three-year-old lefty from yeah. the Pirates, and righty reliever Chris Stratton. Quintana this year three and five with a three and a half ERA in, in twenty starts. You at least get a guy that's durable.
3: It's John Lester in a different uniform.
2: Yeah, that's. <laughs> I think that's fair. Probably not quite a John Lester level, and uh, and uh, although. Seems that like was when an John, old John Lester that pitched when he, last year. When he, when he showed up at Bush Stadium, suddenly yep. he looked like a lot younger than himself yeah, he did. all of a sudden. he did. So you never know if there's a little bit of that Cardinal way that may help Jose Quintana be a little bit more. But uh, you remember, when he was dealt to the Cubs, I mean, that was huge. That was He was the best pitcher out there.
3: It's a big disappointment what the Cardinals are doing. They're just going to stick with their youth, and they see this as, as a long-term thing. I don't know where they're going to play Walker when they bring him up. I, you know, I, I just don't know. And uh, if you're moving Edmund back to second base with the young coming to shortstop, I'm not sure where they're going to play Gorman. I'm talking long term. I just don't know because first and third are settled. And how do you work around those?
2: The Cardinals always like to do it in house. Yeah. Um. The Every first draft they're looking at, first-round pick, looking at. Um, going back to, let's go back to 2020. Jordan Walker, as you just mentioned. This is from MLB.com. One of the highest upside cardinals in recent, mem- draftees in recent mem- memory. Before that, 2019, left-handed pitcher, Zach Thompson. There's uh, a lefty with a high Thompson floor. Thompson looks good. Yeah. We're in 57. First one to do uh, do it since the late Daryl Kyle, Nolan Gorman. We know how he's come up. Before mm-hmm. that, Scott Hurst um, didn't have. That was in 2017. Cardinals did not have a first or second round pick, uh, but made his big league debut in last year before playing in Triple A. Delvin Perez before that.
3: Well, it sounds like the Carl the Cardinals did not want to turn loose of Dylan Carlson which would have been a key guy in the Soto trade. They would have had to give up some of their prospects, some of their top prop, maybe Walker, and they would have had to give up Carlson. But if you're, if you're bringing it, Soto's not a, a center fielder, okay? He, he's going to be a left fielder uh, w- with the Cardinals. He would have been. But I, I don't know. He's only hitting, <laughs> I shouldn't even bring this up. He's only hitting 240, and he's, he hadn't, he's not leading the league in home runs or anything. I mean, he's, he's a, certainly a great prospect. Uh, his RBIs are nowhere near uh, what uh, uh, Goldschmidt is. But, I mean, he's a great player. I'm not saying. I, bet I how good
2: is Carlson going to be? For the Cubs, uh, they have shipped off David Robertson. They were expected mm-hmm. to do that. Right-hander yep. and outfielder Brandon Marsh as well to the Phillies. Uh, Marsh coming from the Angels. Phillies send Ben Brown to the Cubs. He's a right-hander, and they uh, send off Logan Ohoppy to the Angels. But Brown was the number 26 prospect, according to MLB.com, for the Phillies, and he was expected to move up in that uh, ranking list. So, Cubs get a prospect.
3: You haven't even mentioned Josh Hader. No, that was yesterday. Oh, man.
2: Isn't that something? And it's uh, I at mean, first glance serious. At, at first glance, I was telling Evan this yesterday that I thought Milwaukee, what are you doing? And it was actually a pretty shrewd move on their part to kind of keep the books balanced a little bit. And then San Diego is getting something too, obviously. Mm-hmm. So there's another step where the Padres are trying to go toe to toe with the Dodgers, and unfortunately, the games start late. <laughs> <laughs> if they're on the West Coast, because there's a lot of fun baseball that's going to be had down this line. We have to get used to it, though, Lauren, with these UCS, USC, and UCLA games. What are you hearing from the West Coast?
3: What are you hearing from the realignment business? Is that quiet for a while? or is I'm curious it, to hear what Matt Brown stir, has to say. They're stirring out West.
2: Yeah, I don't know uh, what's next. Uh, probably any more than you, but... Again, I think I, I don't have any reason to believe it's going to change unless Notre Dame makes a firm decision.
3: I don't either, but there's a lot of fussing going on over UCLA right now, and there's a lot of talk. There's some writers saying that the Big Ten is interested in the other four, which would be Washington, Oregon, Stanford, and Cal. And if, if the Big Ten took Cal, it would take a lot of pressure off UCLA, which is catching it on all sides from their from their minor sports coaches and players from their governor from their donors from and there's a just a there's a whole ton of reasons why UCLA people people attached to UCLA don't want to go to the Big 10 it's just too far away
2: there's the only reason UCLA made this move was Money. to save yeah their athletic program that's right that's right and the alternative
3: and have, was was disaster they're, they say they're a hundred million in debt, which is interesting because Cal's four hundred million in debt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what indebtedness is until you look at the books, but evidently they they're, they've been losing money each year, and they figure to lose in, in the coming years, and uh, now they won't if they get as they're going to get a full share of the Big Ten in a couple of years.
2: But they still got to sweat out two more years this season and next. So we'll introduce you in a moment to Kevin excuse me, Matt Brown, who heads up Extra Points. And we'll get some of his thoughts on it. Caught up with him today as well at uh, Volleyball Media Days. So we're curious his perspective on how he sees all of this impacting the so-called non-rev sports, which is maybe a borderline category for volleyball, Olympic sport, if you will. Mm -hmm. I always have trouble with the label Olympic sports because not all sports are in the Olympics these days. They've been in the Olympics. And then... Not been, but uh, I think you know what it would be. Not football, not men's basketball. Okay, back after this with Matt Brown. Tuesday edition of Sports Talk rolls on. I'm Scott Beatty along with Warren Tate here in the first hour. Evan's in second hour. Of course, Major League Baseball deadline continues to be watched. And uh, we had Big Ten Volleyball Media Days today. We'll bring you some of what uh, came from the Illinois contingent as well. One that was in attendance and has his eye on a lot of college athletics across the country is Matt Brown. He has a publication called Extra Points, and it's online at extrapointsmb.com. Joins us now here on the phone, based in Chicago, Matt Welcome for the first time to Sports Talk. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's a real pleasure. Uh, likewise, um, I've uh, been a I've seen I've been on been on your newsletter here for a while. It comes to my inbox, and then uh, we ran into each other at, at volleyball media days, and. Uh, Here we are. I thought this would be a nice opportunity. But I recognize that maybe not everybody's familiar with who you are, what you do. I like the summary statement on your website, a daily newsletter, on all of the -the off-the-field forces that shape college sports, from FBS to the NAIA. So anything you would add to that and what you're trying to do in your scope of coverage? Sure. I mean, we're, we're really at an unprecedented time in college sports where there's so much
1: change happening, whether that's realignment from the Big Ten to the FCS and, and smaller you know, Division One conferences and Division Two conferences to NIL to how rosters are maintained to how universities get and spend money and attract students, which is a major issue, particularly for our regional institutions here in Illinois. And these issues help shape what athletic programs are good, how programs are able to fundraise, how they're able to hire coaches, So I wanted to focus this publication to really, you know, dive into those issues, which I know can be a challenge sometimes for local beat reporters to have to balance that with recruiting and press availability and practice reports and game stories. My thinking is let me focus on all of the off the field things, so I can build sources and expertise there to help free up some of the other beat writers and to and to provide information to help fans have a little bit more context on what's going on with the with college sports and to help students and industry professionals understand what's going on in this industry.
2: Where were you previously uh, before you dove into this? So I was at Vox
1: Media for about seven years. I helped run their college site team programming. Uh, Illinois fans might be aware of uh, SB Nation's Illinois site, The Champagne Room. I oversaw that, and about 91 other brands did original reporting for them as well. But when the pandemic hit, Vox laid off almost all of their college sports teams, and I realized that uh, if I wanted to keep working in this industry, I was going to have to go into business for myself, which is what I did until uh, D1 Ticker acquired my publication last November. That is a B2B uh, pu- uh, you know, publication family focusing just on college athletics.
2: Talking with Matt Brown from Extra Points with Matt Brown here on Sports Talk.
3: Go ahead, Lauren. Well, I'm I'm really interested in realignment, and just uh just in the last day or two, I've read more about the possibility of four team, more teams from the Pac-12 coming into the Big Ten. Are you? Do you think that's just talk, or you, or do you think this thing's going to simmer for a while?
1: I think that that is a real possibility, and and one of the, the the challenging factors that that Big Ten administrators and these school administrators have to figure out here is. The math behind this, because bringing in Stanford or Oregon or Washington or any number of these very strong R1 research institutions from the West uh, will dilute each uh, current Big Ten institutions television share. None of these schools uh, have a large enough Q score or bringing enough television sets to increase the per school distribution, which right now is projected to be somewhere in the 100, 105 million dollar a year uh, mark. It may very well be that uh, the conference leaders will decide it's worth the political power, it's worth the academic branding, uh, it's worth the college football playoff access to take a little bit less money to bring in Stanford or to bring in uh, Oregon or Washington. But those won't be decisions that happen until after this television deal is secured and after Presidents and chancellors have a little bit more time to to get familiar with the data they'll get from their new broadcast partners.
3: So you think that the, the, there'll be a settlement here in the next few days? I mean, there'll be an announcement as to exactly what the uh, income is going to be for the next two years, and then the four years after that, when uh, when USC and UCLA are in the Big Ten, you then if you bring more, you'd have to have a whole other negotiation, wouldn't you?
1: The, what what. The, fairly close what's happening right now is that the league is set to announce in the next i believe as soon as the next couple of days you know i've been told that the 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 contract is in its final review stage what that new television deal is going to be Mm -hmm. and you know in that deal because fox and because these new partners know that usc and ucla are joining in two years then it will be yes this is what your revenue distribution will look like in 2023 and here's what it will look like as the inventory increases throughout the length of this deal. We have some good industry projections of what that will be, but exactly who will be broadcasting the games and exactly how much money that will be, we'll know that in a few days or a few weeks. So
3: you're t- basically saying that, uh, that the, the TV uh, come emanating out of San Francisco and Seattle um, and Oregon is not going to be up to the level that the, that the Big Ten will have coming out now.
1: Yes that, that, that is correct.
3: Okay, well that'll be a tough decision because they've never uh, they don't want to take in somebody that's, that's not going to help and that's why Rutger, you know, Rutgers got in because they're located next to New York. whether they're actually bringing in that many TV viewers, I don't know, but there's certainly a lot of <laughs> TV sets up there. I don't know how they're being tuned. that's a, that's a whole other story.
1: Yeah, well part of what made that Rutgers acquisition really financially viable you know back when it happened? It was exactly what you were saying. There's a lot of TV sets, and when Big Ten Network was added to basic cable packages everywhere in the tri-state area, mm-hmm. that meant that BTN got a you know a carriage fee for every cable uh, subscription, whether they ever watched BTN or not, mm-hmm. um, which was millions and millions of dollars. Now, mm-hmm. as we're entering into a world where, where cords are cut more and more, that's still important. If you can get BTN on every basic cable package in Los Angeles and, and Orange County and the Inland Empire, that's an enormous amount of money. But you ultimately, eventually you need to get people actually watching the games. <laughs> and you get them to be engaged with streaming. And, and this business changes very rapidly, um, which makes the calculus then for an Oregon or for Utah or Colorado a little bit different.
2: Matt Brown is our guest here on Sports Talk, and he publishes extra points with Matt Brown. Um, ESPN just put out a survey of more than 200 coaches, players, and administrators in the world of college football. According to them, ESPN that is, more than half of respondents, 54% believe schools will begin paying athletes directly within the next five years. Another 28% say it will happen within 10 years. What happens, Matt, in your mind when players start getting paid? What is the ripple effect or the the consequences, positive or negative, when players start getting paid to play football and other sports?
1: You know, I, I can tell you one very likely positive um, uh, you know, uh, impact from that will be a decrease in power and influence from third parties. Right now, um, this is something that's frustrated so many coaches, assistant coaches, and honestly, parents too, has been the amount of power very quickly seized by collective groups in the recruiting process and the fundraising process. The, I think there's fans sometimes in, in mistakenly think that uh, the major collective is working hand-in-glove with the team's football coach and the team's athletic director, and very often that's not the case. So now you have essentially shadow GMs that are helping set rosters that the coaching staff isn't necessarily on board with, and you have players that are working with agents that might not be certified to try and secure some of that money. And what that system creates right now are incentives to push as many players into the transfer portal as possible, to move as often as possible, and to make decisions based on short-term financial gain without having access to all of the information. That's not really good for anybody but some of these agents. We have a world where we don't have to launder money through charities. We don't have to launder money through bogus car deals or ridiculous Instagram influencer deals that are valued 10 or 100 fold times above market and we can pay athletes directly, that opens up to a much more open uh, and, and honest marketplace, which is what we really see in the professional uh, professional level. You, a team can't pay somebody $7 and launder their salary through a merchandising deal to get under the salary cap. And that's kind of what we see here right now. Matt, if, you, this if, be, yeah, if you
3: pay the men, if you pay the football players, how, don't you also have to pay the women and all the other sports? Do you have to pay all 500 at the University of Illinois? And if so, how do you do that?
1: This is a great question. And and honestly, this is something that the Transformation Committee is grappling with right now. And part of that challenge is because you, what you're describing, you're right. You would think in order to comply with Title IX, that might be part of the issue. I have been told by a couple of uh, attorneys that work in college athletics is Actually, if you start paying the men, then it becomes a Title VII issue, which is, which deals with employment law rather than Title IX, which has different barriers. And then it becomes a different legal case. There's also some uncertainty of, well, is Title IX going to look the way that it does in three years? Um, can we move college football and college basketball uh, really outside of direct university affiliation entirely? Maybe okay. you set up Illinois LLC, and mm-hmm. you pay a licensing fee, and they play on campus, but they're really run by... Learfield, or they're run by the NFL, or something else to get to get around some of these rules. There's so much uncertainty right now about what that might look like. That's part of why these transformation committee questions are dragging on so long. But the with the, the frustrating thing for the, the the coaches and for the administrators is they might not be the ones that ultimately make this decision because they can be in subcommittee. Heck. And, and 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 going in bureaucratic holes for a while, and the U.S. court system might say, "You're out of time." We're ruling that football players are
2: employees.
1: Pay up, and and there'll have to be a solution then very quickly.
2: Matt Brown is with us. Um, ultimately, is there is there in your mind a case where you would say, "Be careful what you wish for," as as everyone pines for. Uh, A new structure of governance in college football, a a football czar, some autonomy, uh, and and all those, let alone paying the players. And I'm not saying, boy, the good old days. I'm just saying when change happens, is there unintended consequences here?
1: Well, yeah, and honestly, I think what's happening with NIL right now is a pretty good example of that. You know, I, I think, and, and, we, and we, could, we, I think, we were just there. We could, we could listen to some stories here from some Big Ten volleyball players here in this footprint, and, and and many football players, and many other athletes who have earned money that's directly tied to their marketability, and they're building professional skills and starting businesses, and that's all what this was kind of supposed to be about in the beginning. I don't think anybody, not even Nick Saban, fully appreciated how quickly institutionalized fundraising. Uh, in, for, in these collective groups was going to materialize to the point where some of these groups have raised upwards of tens of millions of dollars and kind of driven up the price in a speculative way very quickly. And that has led to some you know, externalities that I don't think this structure really anticipated. And I really do believe there's going to be some lawsuits and some very hurt feelings into the season when some of these young men and women realize that what a collective offered isn't what the check actually says. Um, and that's going to be the case whenever you have gigantic change. So I, I think this system is still more ethical and better than what we had, you know, maybe three years ago. But of course, there's going to be unintended consequences. And if college football fully professionalizes in the next two years, there will be some difficult ones, whether that's what happens with how we fund women's volleyball across this country, whether that's what happens to FCS football or to MAC football. And I tell folks, if I absolutely knew the answer to all those questions right now, my brother, my newsletter would not cost $8 a month.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And that is at extrapointsmb.com. Your your thoughts, Matt, as uh, the first ever Big Ten Volleyball Media Days took place yesterday and today, what stood out to you?
1: You know, I've, I've joked about this a couple of times there in person, but having spent the last three months talking to so many athletic directors and attorneys and agents and people on the administrative side of this world, you hear a lot of pessimism. You hear a lot of frustration. You hear a lot of doom and gloom because, you know, oh, there's this big money or we've lost control or these bad things are happening. And those things are all true. But over the last two days, what I heard from the coaches in those rooms, what I heard from talking to those young women, when I heard when I heard talking to the staffers at BTN that helped put this together, was one, a feeling of nearly universal excitement, a feeling of nearly universal gratitude, and optimism. Not just about their season, which I think they should. The Big Ten is a truly outstanding volleyball league. Many of these teams should have, uh, you know, reasonable expectations of competing deep into the NCAA tournament. But also, hey, women's volleyball is on the ascent, and I love my coach and I love my teammates and I feel good about what we're accomplishing, and that felt refreshing to me as a reporter because I haven't been around that in a minute in, in college sports, and I, that I it was a, I think a lovely antidote to. The the nineteenth nil wild west story that I'm sure we've all had to write,
2: <laughs> and I'll say it again: Big Ten volleyball, as you as you did too, it is the highest level of women's volleyball in this country, save for maybe the you know the the startup pro league athletes unlimited and and what the Olympians do. But there's no higher level of of volleyball play on the women's side in this country, and that's, that's truly that's, amazing.
3: That's changed from the West Coast too. Yeah, although Stanford's not bad,
2: <laughs> <laughs> either USC or UCLA. <laughs> Um, Matt, uh, I appreciate just a chance to start to get to know you here. Would love to talk again uh, in the future, and uh, curious what you're going to be eyeing here, besides the obvious of the media deal that's about to come. But anything else that's on your horizon?
1: Sure. There's a couple of stories that I'm, I'm still digging through here right now. I've written a lot about NIL over the last two years, and, and one of the areas in, in this world that's fascinated me, and I'm trying to get my arms around it a little bit more is how it's changed operationally, not just for schools and not just for the athletes, but for some of the brands that are engaging in this space. I think there are a lot of companies in Urbana and Champaign and around central Illinois that would really benefit from working really not just with an Illinois athlete, but potentially an Illinois state athlete or some other small schools. But they've never really done Instagram marketing before. They've never really worked with anybody online. They have no idea where to start. It can be daunting. It's a completely different skill set. And trying to do more reporting about... How that market becomes more efficient and brings more people into it is something that I'm always going to be uh, you know, kicking around. I'm also writing a couple of stories about how universities, coaching staffs across all sports, are handling this enormous new influx of data. If you're a football coach right now in Illinois, FBS or FCS, you're trying to figure out, now you've got a 1,000 people in the transfer portal, you have seven holes that you have to fill, you don't have time to call up every single one of those players. You don't have time to build those same kind of relationships, but suddenly that's part of your job. And also, I think the budget cuts you are down two GAs. And so how people are trying to figure out how to square the circle with these increasing responsibilities to try and build rosters um, at a level that makes sense for Illinois, for Illinois State and Chicago State, is something I'm doing some reporting on and hope to be able to share some more in the near future.
2: Fascinating stuff, Matt. would love to do it again with you when you have time. No, know, listen, it was my pleasure.
1: Always happy to do it, always happy to chat with folks here in State. Thanks for taking thanks for uh taking some time here with me.
2: Sure thing. Matt Brown, extra points. You can find it at extrapointsmb.com. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Brown E. P. Very good stuff indeed. Um and uh, Lauren he he dives into a lot of the issues that uh I know you and I talk it about regularly. Me, yeah, yeah. I, I know we, you talk about it on Saturday mornings. This that
3: realignment stuff with the, with the Big Ten and, and the Pac, I, And I, I just don't know if it's over because I, I just don't know how, how this thing with UCLA is going to wind up because there, there's so many people against what they're doing. I mean, they're surrounded, incredibly surrounded by a whole contingency of people who are against them coming to the Big Ten.
2: According to these 200 respondents in the ESPN survey, college football, coaches, players and administrators, a sizable majority, 58 percent, say that while the sport would remain tied to academics, there will be an eventual split between super conferences that pay their athletes and smaller leagues that don't.
3: And if they pay their athletes, that means the money from television is going to the football players. How do you support the other sports mm-hmm. in all these schools? Because football has been paying for all these other sports
2: for years, everywhere. And how do you set the value well, of a college football player? And how do you decide well, uh, what Chase Brown
3: gets as a running back? Well, I think they'll pay them all the same. I think they will. But that was what they were going to do in California when that when that was shot down by the courts. Uh, that may, strikes me as both logical and fraught with danger. I said that it was shot down by court. That's not right. It was shot, the legislature didn't go through with it. The legislature was going to pay 50% of the money to the players and the other 50% would stay within the athletic department. That's what, that's what, what they presented. And it was, and it was, uh,
2: denied We will come back on and bring you some from Illinois' Media Days appearance at Big Ten Volleyball Media Days and do some more here on Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Sports Talk on this Tuesday. Illinois up at Volleyball Media Days. Today in Chicago, senior middle blocker Kennedy Collins out of Zion, Illinois led the Illini last year with 126 blocks there to be a force again in the middle of the court and i got a chance to catch up with her at the btn studios did you lobby for this representation or did chris just say you're going
4: um chris basically just said we're going so (laughs) but i'm i'm blessed so
2: yeah i bet you felt like it was an honor
4: yeah For sure, I'm happy to be here representing.
2: What was the spring and summer like for you?
4: The spring, you know, obviously we had a few games canceled. Um, We still worked hard with what we had. Um, And then the summer, we trained every day. We lift, condition, and then practice every day. So I think... um, It's really preparing us for our season this year.
2: Does it feel like the next few weeks will be a very compressed time then to get ready for the opener on the 27th?
4: I would say compressed, yes, but we've been through it, so it's kind of like we know what's coming. So um, I think we are prepared for it. So we we put in the work this summer, so I think that helps a lot, Um, just doing what we needed to do over the summer so it won't feel as compressed.
2: So the coaches don't get time with you, which I know is a point of debate in the volleyball world, but you get time with your teammates. What have you seen from the new ones?
4: Yeah, they're a great group of girls. Um, We love the freshmen. They fit right in with our culture. Um, They work really hard. Um, We've seen growth from them already. Um, It's only been, what, a month and some change. Um, Just seeing that growth, it really excites me to watch them grow.
2: Anybody you kind of want to take under your wing there or have?
4: Um, I kind of want to take Kari. She's the middle, obviously. Um, she's really, really good. And my strength and conditioning coach tells me all the time, like, she reminds me of you when you were a freshman. So, like, just hearing that makes me want to help her in all aspects, on volleyball, on and off the court.
2: There's some freshmen that come into the league and make instant impacts. There's others that sort of have to grow and kind of wait their turn. How did you see that in your own journey?
4: Yeah, um when i got here i wasn't expected to play i didn't expect to play at all um but just coming in like with the confidence and knowing that i'm a great player helped me and not really you know worry about what my role was going to be so i think that just coming in with that attitude helped me and just let me focus on my job and what i needed to do needed to do before that first game i think that helped me a lot
2: have you seen now in this transfer world um, uh, younger players come in and expect to play, and then get disappointed <laughs> when they don't.
4: Yeah, yeah, I see it a lot, and that's what I didn't want. That's what I didn't want to do. You know, I didn't want to have the expectation like that I was going to play because I started and did come off the court in high school because it's different. It was a different game, and people were there before me, so I didn't really want to have that. And I think that helped me as a player.
2: So why not though, uh, for you or if, if another young player came to you for advice? Why not play at a, quote, lesser school where you could maybe start and then eventually say, and I'll just transfer after a couple of years? What's the difference between that and saying, no, I'm going to go through, stick it out for four years at a place like Illinois?
4: I think it's just about being bold, you know, Um, going out to your comfort zone. I think that was what I wanted to do because I was committed somewhere else and it was a smaller school and I wanted to go outside of my comfort zone I wanted to play at the highest level and I knew that so I think just you know having that mindset of just going out of your comfort zone it's going to be okay like knowing that I'm a good player I think that helped me too.
2: Talking with Kennedy Collins middle blocker for Illinois here at Media Days this event kind of a milestone for the sport and for the conference as well. How does it feel to be part of a little bit of history?
4: Yeah, um, I'm very blessed to be here. I'm honored. I think it's well-deserving as a conference that we get the exposure that we deserve. Um, so here to be here representing Illinois, um, a great big-time school is amazing. Like, I'm so happy to be here.
2: What do you think is next for, for volleyball? I mean, you mentioned the exposure that we deserve. Um, How does the game need to grow, or how do people need to pay more attention to it?
4: Yeah, and I think, um, I don't have an answer for that, but I think this will definitely help. I think this will help help open a lot of eyes, and from not just, like, our fans or people watching, but, like, the people that work here, you know. I think them seeing, like, this going so well, and volleyball in general going so well, will open a lot of doors for us, and I'm excited to see.
2: Krista Van Sant, new uh, assistant coach but it's been like getting to know her
4: yeah um we love Krista um she's really young so like she still can relate to and you know she played in college and so she still can relate to a lot of things that we are going through like as players and um she's a really good person she's always welcoming us with open arms and she's really easy to talk to so we love her
2: 27th is the opener against Georgia Tech what comes to mind when you think about that first match
4: Um, The first match is always scary, no matter how old you are, how many times you've done it. Um, But I'm excited. I'm excited to see how well we gel like playing live like against another team. Kennedy, thanks for your time. Congratulations. Thank you so much.
2: Fun to catch up with Kennedy Collins. Also caught Chris Thomas and Diana Brown. And we'll try to bring you that as well here in this Sports Talk. Still watching that trade deadline, Lauren Tate. Yachty Molina, though has been traded to the Dodgers in exchange for cash. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) Well, Contreras is listed as a catcher for the Cubs, so maybe they're not going to trade him. Cubs are, well, you just have to wait and see. And sometimes these things are done, but then they're not reported until after Mm -hmm. the deadline. Mm -hmm. Evan will help us sort it out.
3: They don't usually let a player
2: play after he's been traded, though. That's true. Well, no, he wouldn't play, but I'm saying is we might not know about it before 5 Mm p.m. if it happens back in the, after this you're listening to sports talk on dws sports talk hour number one coming to a close but at volleyball media days today in chicago the commissioner of the big 10 kevin warren also on hand and i had a brief conversation with him commissioner thank you so much for your time the importance of having an event like this uh How did it come about?
0: I mean, you know, fortunately, you have talented staff, they come up with great ideas. And I'm just here to support and always want to make sure we're doing everything we can to provide our student athletes with a platform to to tell their stories. And especially from women's volleyball, we have the strongest women's volleyball conference in the country. And so this was a no brainer to be able to do it here at Big Ten Network. And I'm just excited to be here today.
2: What do you think the future is for volleyball in this conference?
0: I mean, this this as I said, you know, I expect to have two teams in the national championship every year. I mean, they're talented. We have the best combination of coaches and student athletes in the country, and I think if we continually support them and provide them with a flat platform, you'll see them continually be successful. Some
2: coaches are express consternation that they don't get enough time with their athletes in the summer. Uh, do you share that uh, view? I know it's an NCAA yeah, kind of I mean, level I, thing.
0: Yeah, I want to follow what the NCAA does, and uh, I think, but what. Events like this will allow them to do to even pull together better to build that relationship. This is going to be an exciting year as we go forward to it. Uh, Our teams are strong and our coaches are fantastic and our players are are really in in, in great shape and excited about this year. And so I'm I'm looking forward to a fantastic season. I'll be be able to watch a lot of a play.
2: As you've started to get things settled here in your tenure, what's uh, your relationship been with Josh Whitman?
0: great I mean Josh is a leader he's smart you know former student-athlete played Illinois loves the Big Ten lawyer by trade played professionally uh, he has a bright future I mean uh, Illinois is in good hands with with Josh and, and Chancellor Jones and all their coaches and it's a fantastic environment I love coming to Champaign uh, to watch your uh, teams compete uh, so Josh is not only a great leader in the Big Ten but across the country.
2: Are you guys able to lean on each other a little bit with your legal background and kind of use that?
0: Yeah, absolutely we do. So I rely on on him, and and it's been a pleasure working with him.
2: There's some nervousness that I've heard about when it comes to non-rev sports and their future within uh, conferences and however the dust settles with realignment. Do you feel confident in the future of the Big Ten non-rev
0: sports? Yeah, I'm, I'm confident. We'll always do the right thing in the Big Ten. Academics is our focus. we got... Great athletic team. I'm confident we'll always do the right thing. Commissioner, we thank you for your time. Thank you for everything you do.
2: That's Kevin Warren. Uh, good enough to make a little bit of time for those of us that were there for uh, Volleyball Media Days.
3: Last minute trade by the Cardinals?
2: Yes, this is coming across the wires, which is really Twitter. Um, Jordan Montgomery, left handed starter from the Yankees to the Cardinals for Harrison Bader. He's been out a long time. He just must be about right now ready to come back, isn't he? Uh, I I share the question, Mark, that you put in in why would the Yankees want to give up a starting pitcher, but at the same time they need some outfield help. And certainly the Cardinals could use one, a starting pitcher, that is. Oh, yeah. And they're rich in the outfield.
3: Well, I think that uh, without a doubt, Carlson has proved himself to be the Cardinals center fielder for the next 10 years. That may be a, more years than, than I should be throwing out there. But he's going to be the center fielder for a while. He's pretty good defensively.
2: We're going to talk about that and more next hour on Sports Talk. Evan will be in more baseball, more volleyball, maybe a little football as well on this Tuesday. It's News Talk 1493.9 FM, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Time for a news update.